my favorite Christian authors, and he says something that I love about worship. Uh, it's always stuck with me. He said that worship is the thank you that can't be silenced. And I think really what he's talking about there is that we worship just because we, we just can't help but for to worship. You know, when, when Jesus is real to you, when you're not the same as you used to be, when you've been changed, when you know he's done for you what you couldn't do for yourselves, listen, you just can't help but worship. That's when true worship happens, and uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of that this morning. John chapter number 8 is what I want to look at today. Uh, find your place there in John chapter 8, and then also find John chapter number 1. Get your marker out and put it in both of those places. We'll be looking backwards and forwards from time to time, but... Um, those are our two texts this morning. Now today, what I plan on doing is continuing in the series of messages of uh, the I Am statements that Jesus makes throughout the book of John. Now, if you remember, we've seen so far that Jesus said in John chapter number 14, verse number 6, He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. If you believe that today, say amen. Now, I read something this week, and it just blessed my soul as a Christ follower, and I hope it blesses you as much as it blesses me. Muhammad, the founder of the religion of Islam, said before he died, I don't know the purpose of life. Buddha, the philosopher who founded Buddhism, said before he died, seek for the truth. Confucius, a Chinese philosopher, said before he died, I am not the way. And what blesses my soul about all of those statements that were made there is that these men are just telling the truth. They have came to the end of their life right before they died and they're letting everybody know, they, they're getting honest with themselves and all of the followers that they had at that time, I am not the way. I, I don't really know what purpose is all about. I am not the truth. Keep seeking for the truth. But on the other hand, we see Jesus making the claim John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, he's just being honest. <laughs> he's giving us who he is. He's telling us that he is the way to the Father. He's telling us that he is the essence of truth. If you want to get to heaven, if you want to know the way, you've got to know Jesus. If you really want to understand truth that changes your life, you've got to know Jesus. If you really want to have everlasting eternal life, which is abundant life, it's found in Jesus. He's the only way. I love that. That blesses me. I hope it blesses you. And if you're a cross follower, it ought to bless you this morning. We also saw in John chapter 10 where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. How many of you believe today that Jesus provides for and protects his sheep? Amen. Psalm 23 says that, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that I will not fear. Why? Because the good shepherd is with me. And that's true for you, believer. That's true for you, Christian. No matter what you're going through in times of life or at the time of death, Jesus promises to protect and provide for his sheep. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've got peace for living and I've got peace for dying in Christ. It's amazing. I love what John 6 tells us. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Amen. He said, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. And if you really want to have life eternal, you must partake of me. 
John chapter 7, we saw where Jesus made the claim to be the water of life. He's the only one who can satisfy our deepest desires. He's the only one who can give us true contentment deep down in our soul. He quenches the thirst that we all have. This morning, I want us to look at John chapter number 8 and verse number 12. And I want you to see what Jesus says right here. John chapter 8. Verse number 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Lord, I'm thankful that you are the light of the world. You are the bread of life. You are the water of life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And as the good shepherd, I'm thankful that you lead God, protect, and provide for your sheep. Lord, you're good to us. Lord, we want to bless and honor you in what's said this morning. Lord, I don't want these people to hear what I have to say, my opinions, but Lord, I want them to hear your truth. I want them to hear your truth spoken by your power. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you fill me up. I'm praying that you pour me out into the lives of these people and do what only you are capable of doing today. Bring truth to our hearts and lives that change us. May we be different when we leave this place than we were when we came in. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake, amen. Now, I've told you before, I'm going to keep telling you, the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. So if you want some good commentary on John chapter 8 and verse number 12, on Jesus saying He is the light of the world, then you're going to find it in John chapter number 1. So again, keep your place there in John chapter 8. Flip over to John chapter number 1. And while you're finding that, I want to tell you a quick story that I read this week in preparing for this message. Back in World War II, in the North Atlantic, there was an aircraft carrier that was being threatened by enemy submarines. And so the captain of this aircraft carrier got very concerned about the thousands of people that were aboard his ship, and he sent out five of his best pilots off the aircraft carrier to go search for the enemy submarines and kill them. And so they're out flying across the ocean and doing what they can do to find the enemy. And in the meantime, the aircraft carrier captain got radio, uh, a radio message that stated the submarines were closer than he had once thought. And so he says to the man who's um, in the, 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 the command room, he says that all the lights on the ship has to be turned out. He was afraid that the lights from the aircraft carrier would um, uh, alert the, uh, the, the submarines, the enemy submarines of their location. So they went full dark. There was no lights on the ship whatsoever, and they went radio silent so that any submarine that was looking or listening would not be able to know where the aircraft carrier was in the darkness of night. And so after three, maybe four hours, the airplanes start flying back from scouting over the, in the surrounding area for the submarines. And they broke radio silence, and one of the head pilots that was leading the group he spoke to the man on the radio and said, please turn on some lights. We're almost home. And the captain of the aircraft carrier radioed back and said, we can't turn any lights on. We must go full dark. See, he knew there were thousands of lives on that ship that were in danger of the enemy submarine, and he could not risk it. And then just a few moments went by, and another one of the pilots broke radio silence, and again, he spoke to the 
aircraft carrier captain. He said, please, turn on some lights. We're almost home. And he radioed back and said, we can't turn on any lights. I'm sorry. We're going all dark. And that night, five pilots lost their life in the North Atlantic because they couldn't see the light for the darkness. Now, I want you to think about what I just told you as I'm preaching this sermon this morning. I want you to remember that all of us are in darkness pre-Jesus. And if you're here this morning and have not yet trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, you are still in darkness and you are in danger of perishing. But the Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. What does that mean that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, there's three main things, probably a whole lot more than that, but there's three things that I really want you to see from right here in John chapter number one, starting in verse number one through verse number five. The first thing I want you to see is the purity of light. The second thing that I want you to see this morning, and I don't, certainly don't want you to miss this, is the constancy of light. And then number three, I want you to see the victory of light. Look what it says starting in verse number one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now when the Bible says that in the beginning was the Word, John is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word, Word, there in John chapter one, you see is capitalized. And it's capitalized for a reason because John is saying of Jesus that he is the Word made flesh. If you believe it, say amen this morning. He is the Logos. He is the creative Word of God. Jesus Christ is the Word and he is the light. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now let me, let me say something to you. The book of Proverbs tells us that every word of God is pure. Well, if Jesus is the word of God, then he himself is pure. He has complete and total purity. He has complete and total sinlessness. Can you say amen? And so we need to see the purity of light. I want you to share with you something about Jesus uh, that not only in the, in the New Testament does it say he's the light of the world, but also in much of the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 2. Nathan, if you will, please. You don't have to turn there this morning. I want you to write these scriptures down as I give them to you. But Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 2. Listen what Isaiah prophesies concerning Jesus. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death Upon them hath the light shined. Isaiah there in Isaiah 9 is prophesying about the coming Christ. Prophesying about the Lord Jesus himself. And he said he is the great light that shines to people in the shadow of darkness, in the shadow of death. Luke chapter 1 verses 78 and verse number 79. I think we actually read this verse during Christmas time. But if you remember, John the Baptist had a father by the name of Zechariah. And Zechariah is prophesying about the coming Christ. Look what he says, Luke 1, 78 through 79. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from the high hath visited us. Now the day spring from the high is just another name for Jesus himself. Look what it says there in the 79th verse. To give light. Everybody say light. To give light to them that sit in darkness. Jesus came to give us who were in darkness light that brings life. Light brings life. Light 
dispels darkness. Light overcomes darkness. Darkness cannot and will not overcome light. Look what it says. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit was in the deserts to the day of his showing unto Israel. He's speaking none other, none other of the child of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the light of the world. Now scientists tell us there is absolutely nothing more pure in the natural world than a beam of light. Do you know that light can touch all things that are corrupt, but it will not be corrupted itself? Do you know that light will remain pure no matter what it passes through or what it passes over? We can't say that of everything else. I want you to think about water. Man, if you've got a spring bubbling up out of the ground that's bubbling up just as pure and crystal clear, as that water passes over the landscape, as it passes over the rivers and the rocks and the trees or whatever it runs over, it's going to get contaminated over time. It's going to get polluted over time. I want you to think about snow, man. I, one of the, most, the prettiest sights that you'll ever see is that snow falling and, and big old snowflakes about as big as a half a dollar. Man, it's just as pure and white as it can possibly be. But what happens after that snow lays on the ground for a few days? It gets dirty. It gets impure. It gets polluted. It gets corrupted by that uh, which it, it comes in contact with. That's not true of light. Light remains pure no matter what. Now what is that saying of the Lord Jesus if he is the light of the world? What's the Bible telling us? The Bible is telling us that Jesus can touch sinners but never be sinful. The Bible is telling us he can come and be around our corruption but not be corrupted. The Bible is telling us that Jesus can be in the world but not of the world. That's exactly who he is. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Watch what this scripture says about the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch how he puts it. Hebrews 4, 15. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, watch this now, tempted like as we are. That means Jesus came, and dwelt in the flesh, just like we all are in the flesh. And he was tempted with everything we are tempted with. Yet the Bible says he did it without sin. He is the sinless, pure, holy Son of God and God the Son. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Jesus, the light of the world, is pure in all his ways. Completely and totally perfect. He became the sinless, listen to me now, Lamb of God that went to the cross. He didn't pay for his sin. He paid for my sin. And he paid for your sin. The perfect Lamb of God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. You need to see the purity of light. You need to see the purity of the Lord Jesus. He's the only one who could say, and he did say it, when he was standing before those who was bringing judgment against him. He said, which one of you convinceth me of sin? What he's really saying is, who in here can say that I've sinned and prove it? Now let me ask you something. Can any of y'all say that? Let me ask you something, husbands. Can you stand up for your wife and say, all right, if you're so smart, convince me of my sin. Would you say that? Could you say that? 
Wives, what about you? Could you stand up to your husband and say, because guess what? Our husbands and our wives know us better than anybody. I mean, when you live with someone, you get to know them pretty good. Am I right? And so, wives, could you stand up to your husband and say, all right, convince me of my sin. Show me where I've sinned. Could you say that? Would you say that? Parents, could you do it to your kids? Kids, could you do it to your parents? Preachers, could you do it to your congregation? Congregation, could you do it to your preacher? No, none of us can. All of us would be found guilty. Jesus is the only one who could stand before his accusers and say, okay, convince me, prove where I have sinned and leave there having them not say a word. He's pure. He's holy. and He's righteous and he's just. Now listen, even though light cannot be defiled and corrupted by that which it touches or passes through, light certainly does, listen to me now, expose that which is corrupt. Light can't be corrupted, but it exposes that which is corrupt. That's exactly what Jesus does for each and every one of us. He shines his light into our life and listen, exposes where we're wrong so that we can be made right. That's called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. That happened to me when God the Holy Spirit began dealing with my heart, drawing me unto himself. He began showing me my sinfulness. He began showing me how much I need a Savior. I heard one pastor say it like this a long time ago. He said it was like a tugging at your heart. When God began drawing you unto himself, he exposed my sin and showed me my need for a Savior. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Maybe he's doing that with you this morning. Maybe he's drawing you unto himself. Maybe you don't realize what's going on, but maybe you just know deep down on the inside, something's not right. Something ain't adding up. You see peace and purpose and contentment in other people's lives. You see the love of Christ in other people's lives. You see the peace of God that passes all understanding in other people's lives. You see the joy of the Lord that is unspeakable and full of glory in other people's lives, but you know it's not in yours. That light that is being lived out through them is exposing your darkness. Because that's what happens. Light does not become corrupted by that which it sheds light on or passes through, but it certainly exposes the corruption. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if they hate me, they will hate you also. And if they persecute me, they will persecute you also. And at one point he actually said, they hate me because now they have no cloak for their sin. What did he do? He came and exposed that which was wrong and showed them that he himself was right. He was the way, the truth, and the life. Now, they hated him for it. Because when it comes to sinful attitudes and lifestyle, uh, listen to me now, ignorance is bliss. If you don't know any better, you can just live however you want to live and live it up. Please the flesh. Do what's pleasing in your own eyes. But when you get a hold of truth that sheds some light 
on the subject, you begin seeing how wrong you are and how right God truly is. It exposes that which is corrupt. Now, why do sometimes people hate, persecute followers of Jesus? Because your life becomes a conviction on them. When they see you walking in the light, when they see you loving like Jesus loves, when they see you walking in the peace of God, when they see you with the joy of the Lord, when they see those fruits of the Spirit evident in your life and the life of Christ becomes a light that exposes their darkness. Darkness hates the light because listen to me now. Light always overcomes darkness. Darkness never overcomes light. You got me? Light is pure in every way. Jesus, the light of the world, is pure in every way. If you believe it, say amen this morning. Not only won't you see the purity of light, but I want you to see the constancy of light. Do you know that light is constant at all times? It really is. Jesus, the light of the world, too, is constant. And we're going to prove it to you in just a moment. First of all, let's look at some more scripture that, that, that proves this scripturally, spiritually. And then we're going to talk about the physical properties of light and how that also you know, uh, speaks to who Jesus is and what he does for us. James 1.17, one of my favorite scriptures in all the word of God says that um, all good gifts and all perfect gifts come down from the Father of lights. Watch this now. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What does it mean that there is no variableness with the Lord? That means he is constant. He does not change. He's not one way one minute and another way another minute. Have you ever been around people like that? If you hadn't, that'll really bless your heart. I mean, you see them one time, and they're all, man, just as friendly as they can possibly be and, and, and talking and laughing and cutting up. And then you see them an hour, two hours, 30 minutes later and the next day, whenever, and their attitude is completely different. And you never know how to take people like that. I can re You can rest assured this morning, that's not how Jesus is. He is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Hebrews 13.8 says that. James 1.7 says that there is no variableness with the Lord. He is constant. He is unchangeable. He is immutable. Can you say amen? He cannot change. He will not change. He cannot improve upon perfection. And he is perfect. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. You're always going to know what to expect when you come to the Lord. He's loving, gracious, good, holy, righteous. He's the same. Amen? I'm so thankful for that. In a world full of uncertainty, we can be certain that God remains the same. He is constant. How many of you have ever heard of a man by the name of Albert Einstein? Yeah, we've probably all heard of Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein was one of the greatest minds the world has ever known. And he actually came up with the theory of relativity. And what you had was this great scientist looking out into the natural world and just examining 
what he saw to be true. And he then came up with a theory of relativity. And I want to tell you something, folks. I am far from understanding that. I am a C student from Hamilton High School. I'm not on the level of Albert Einstein when it comes to the theory of relativity. I've read his theory. I've read what others say about it. I've listened to many different debates on the theory of relativity, and I'm, it's still getting going over my head. I'm still not getting it. But let me tell you what I have got. I've gotten two main points when it comes to the theory of relativity. The reason Albert Einstein was able to write his theory, to come up with this truth that he saw throughout the universe, the reason that is, is that because light is constant with its speed. Light is constant. The speed of light is constant at all times. Let me just give you the speed of light this morning for those of you who've never heard it. It's 186,282 miles per second. So we're going to count one second this morning. On the count of three, I want all of you in this room to say 1,001. One, two, three. Now the time it took you to say 1,001, traveling at the speed of light, we could have all went around this planet seven times. Think about that. Light is always constant. That's what Albert Einstein found when he looked into the universe. Now, let me tell you this. He also states in the theory of relativity that the closer we get to the speed of light, the more time slows down. And the theory is this, that when you reach the speed of light, time stands still. You don't get older and don't get younger but stands still. Now what does this mean when we're talking about Jesus being the light of the world? Listen to me, folks. The Bible says that one day I am going to be just as he is. 1 John chapter number 3, brother, if you will please put this on the screen for me. Starting in verse number 1, we'll go through verse number 2. 1 John 3, verse number 1. Watch what this says. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Now, I'm going to read that again because you must have missed it, all right? You missed a great time to say amen. We shall be like him. For we shall see him. As he is. Now the book of Timothy says that Christ dwells in light that is unapproachable. And it is to us while we are in this flesh, while we are in this fallen creation. But let me tell you something. There's coming a time when I will be just as Jesus is. I will be constant just as he is. Time will stand still and I will be in my eternal form forever. Are you getting me? Listen to me. That's what it means. That's what it means to have hope in Christ. One day, 
we will be with him, like him, for an eternity. Are you getting this? See the purity of light. See the constancy of light. The Bible says there in John chapter number 1, those first two verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. That means He's the same at the, at the beginning of creation. He's the same before creation. He's the same when He was born in Bethlehem. He's the same now. He'll be the same forever. God is the same. He's constant. Verse, verse 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I want you to see the purity of light. I want you to see the constancy of light. But let me say something else. Listen to me. Uh, we've got to see the victory of light. The victory of light. Look what it says. Verse number 4, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. Now, when it says the darkness comprehends it not, it don't actually mean that the darkness didn't understand it. That's not what it's saying there. In the original text, in the original translation, what that really means is the darkness could not overcome the light. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. We live in a dark world, and sometimes if we look out into this world, we wonder, what's going on? God, where are you? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Let me tell you something. You can't make God nervous. Do you know that? Now, I can get nervous. You can get nervous. We can all wonder what's going to happen tomorrow, but I want you to know something. God is still on his throne. God does have a plan, and everything that's taken place is according to his sovereign will. He is constant. He is victory. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Listen to me. I'm thankful I'm in Jesus. And Jesus is in me. Because I live in a dark place, but I'm glad that in this world I shall have tribulation, but I can be of good cheer. For He has overcome the world. If He's overcome the world, and He's in me and I'm in Him, that means I too can overcome this world. I'm thankful that the grave could not did not hold him. Death has no power over Jesus. So listen to me. If death has no power over Jesus and I am in Christ and Christ is in me, death has no power over me. Are you getting me? Victory. Victory. Victory <laughs> in light. Praise the Lord. Let me tell you what happens. When I go home at night, when I go home at night and my house is dark and it's, um, you know, can't see to get around. When I open up my front door and walk into my home, how do I remove all that darkness? Do I take a vacuum cleaner and suck it out? Do you take a shovel and shovel it out? How do you get rid of all that darkness? All you got to do is flip on the light. And every time I flip on that light, it's amazing what happens. The darkness has to flee. Are you getting me? 
But listen to me. The darkest night, the darkest room, the darkest darkness cannot extinguish one flicker of one candle. And everywhere light is, darkness has to flee. There's victory in light. And the Bible tells us that it's His light is the life of men. Go back to uh, verse 2 and verse number 3. Watch what, it puts, what he, how he says it here. The same was in the beginning with God, verse number 3. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made, verse 4. In Him was life, watch this now, and life was the light of men. I love this. Now listen to me. Jesus gives life to all who trust in him and then his light is put in us to shine through us to overcome the darkness. Now listen to me, as a husband, as a spiritual leader of my household, I want to overcome darkness that comes our way. Let me tell you how I do that. By resting in Trusting in. And listen. Relenting to the will of God in my life. As I allow the Lord Jesus Christ to live in me, shine through me, it dispels the darkness that I might face in my home. That's true fathers. That's true husbands. That's true mamas. That's true child of God. You can overcome whatever you face. Whatever you face. With the light of the Lord Jesus that comes through life in Him. Are you getting me? He makes all the difference. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other. Jesus is the way. I love the old hymn song that we used to sing a long time ago. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Some of y'all will remember it. It goes like this. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And it goes on to tell us that no matter what we go through, he's always with us. His faithfulness is there for us. His mercies are new every morning. The only victory you can have in a dark world is to have the light of Christ. The only way you can have the light of Christ is to have the life Christ gives by grace through faith. Just like those pilots searching for that aircraft carrier in the darkness, without Jesus you have no hope. You're in a dark place. But I tell you this. His light can lead you home. His light can make all the difference. Would you trust Him? Won't you trust Him? When I was in about the third or fourth grade, we learned something in our science class called photosynthesis. Do you know what the word photosynthesis means? 
Photo, what do you think that means? Photo means light. Do you know what synthesis means? To put together. Photosynthesis is the process that happens when light shines down on plants and plants begin to grow. And so really what light does is put life together. Amen? That's why when God wanted to create the cosmos out of chaos, he said in the beginning there was God and he created the heavens of the earth and he spoke light into the darkness. And when he spoke light, listen to me, the waters began to teem with all kinds of different species of fish. When he spoke light, all the herbs began to grow from the ground. The seeds started to sprout because light puts life together. Now some of you may be here this morning and you feel as though your life is in shambles. You feel as though you're broken on the inside. It's making a difference on the outside. and You just don't experience the life God has for you. You're not fulfilling the purpose God has created you to fulfill and you know you're not where you need to be with the Lord. You have no peace for living. And you certainly have no peace for lying. Let me, dying, let me tell you something. Listen to me now. God's light can put your life back together. If you'll trust him. You say, brother, how do you know? I know that because he's done it for me. And I'm telling you, folks, if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Would you trust him? Would you get real with him? I'm not asking you this morning if you know about Jesus. I'm not asking you this morning, um, folks, if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking if you've ever been baptized. None of those are bad things. But none of those things make you a born-again believer in Christ. I'm asking you this morning, has there ever been a time in your life when you know God the Holy Spirit convicted you of your sin? When you know you placed your full faith and trust in the finished work of Christ so that your sins might be forgiven. You could be made right with God. If you've not done that, if there's any question whether or not you've done that, this invitation is for you. Allow a little photosynthesis to take, to take place this morning. Let his life, his light, excuse me, put your life together like he wants it together, like he created it to be makes all the difference. Everybody stand together this morning. If you need the Lord in any way, I want to ask you to come. If you're here today and you know you need to be saved, you know you've not yet trusted in Christ, I'm telling you, He's still in the saving business. He's still able to do for you what He's done for me. I'd love to show you what that means in the Word of God. If you're here today and you've already been born again, you know that you have trusted in Christ and He's made a difference in your life. But you just got some things you're struggling with. Guess what? As long as we live in this world, this fallen creation in this flesh, we're going to struggle from time to time. We'll struggle with temptation. We'll struggle with sin. We'll struggle with the stuff that life puts in our path. We all have stuff. But I'll tell you this, the same Jesus who saved you is the same Jesus who's with you day by day. 
Hebrews 13, 5 says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And anytime you stand in need of him, all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. You want help? Ask for it. I don't want to miss out on anything the Lord has for me because I don't ask for it. So child of God, if you're here this morning and there's some things going on that you need to talk about with the Lord, talk, talk over with the Lord, listen, ask him. Talk to him. This altar is a great place to do that. So whatever you need today, wherever you are today, Jesus, the light of the world, is able to shine into your darkness and to do for you what's needed. I'm telling you, he makes all the difference.